welcome back everybody. I am Debbie, I'm here at spiritualcrusade.com and today we're in Revelations 1 through 11. Chapter one is an introduction. In this chapter, we're going to learn some things about Jesus Christ and we're also going to read his instruction to John, like instructing him to write the book and what he's supposed to write about and who he's supposed to write to. Um, two and three, John is gonna write to the churches of his time. Four and five, we're gonna have a glimpse into heaven. These are probably my favorite chapters. So even if you have to fast forward to four and five, watch them. I don't know, maybe you won't get as excited about it as I got excited about it, but I love chapters four and five. And over here in the corner, I'm gonna have the little, every chapter when I'm talking about it will be in this corner in a little box. So you can scroll through, even if you don't have time for the whole thing. Four and five is awesome. I don't know, maybe I'm just geeking out about it for me, but I thought it was so good. Six and seven, we're gonna see the first six seals, and it's kind of like like in speed mode, you know? He slows down a little bit for the sixth seal, um, which he talks a lot more in uh, chapter seven, but the first five, you just kind of like, you get like one or two verses per thousand years. So that's kind of on fast mode. Eight, nine, and 11, we talk about the seventh seal, and chapter 10 is where John accepts his role. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. And like I said, we're not going to cover everything. There is just way too much to cover. But starting in chapter one, this is kind of our introduction. We're going to start here learning about Jesus Christ. Um, at least that's where we're, where we're going to start today. <laughs> like I said, we're not going to get everything, but we're going to do the best we can. So I want to start by chapter or verse five and verse eight. And here we're going to find a couple titles and just learn a little bit about him. And I think learning about Jesus Christ is one of the key things for reading Revelation because during this time, the saints were enduring severe persecution. Most of the apostles had been killed off at this point. John's exiled and they're left with false prophets and teachers and incredible persecution. I mean, the people hated them and they just, um, I just, I can imagine, I don't know, I don't know how they felt because I'm not them, and I, <laughs> but if it were me and I was in that position and I, we had basically lost all of our leaders and everyone we knew was being persecuted or we ourselves, and by persecution, I'm talking like imprisonment, stoned, like crazy. I mean, they just were not treated well. It was horrible. And I, I would imagine that this letter from John would have been like gold because I'm sure there were points, it, there would be points in my mind as I'd watch people I loved being persecuted and as the fight became so hard that I would just be like, I need to know more about this Jesus that we're fighting for. I need to know more about this plan. Like we no longer have the apostles. So what's the big picture? You know what I mean? And maybe they didn't think that. Maybe it's just in my head. But trying to put myself in their position, I'm sure that they were feeling like, what's the point, you know? And here he is going to teach about Jesus Christ in the most beautiful way, especially when we get to four and five. It's incredible. He's gonna give this full picture of like, this is who you're fighting for, this is why you're fighting for it, this is the future that is coming, and he's gonna talk about the blessings that come to those that overcome. It's so good, you guys. Oh, I just love these verses, these chapters. So starting at five, we begin to learn about Jesus Christ. Let's just read it. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto whom that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So over in the corner, you're gonna have a list of these things. As we go through them, just make lists, and you can highlight them in your scriptures. And in eight, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I love that one. I love that one. So that's the beginning of our list. We're gonna get a few more things up there in a minute. Um, so let's go on into the instructions. He's going to start to instruct John. 
He says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches. He's going to go on to mention the seven churches, but this is the beginning of his instruction. So he says, whatever you see here today, write it down. Okay. And then in verse 19, we're going to see the other half of this instruction. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. And like I said, for those saints who are being persecuted, this is like gold because they're getting this big picture of what it is they're fighting for and why they're fighting for it. Um, and I think the central message of ch chapter one is in verses 12 and 13. I think this is the central message and I'll tell you after you read it. So let's get started. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. If you guys jump over to verse 20, we learn that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. So we learn that in verse 20. So here he sees the seven churches. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, in the midst of those churches, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and good about the paths with a golden girdle. Um, so here... I, the reason why I think this is the central message of chapter one is because it gives us a clear understanding that Jesus Christ is in the midst of the churches. He is not some leader that's far off watching this from a distance. He is on the battlefield. He is in the midst. He loves his servants, his faithful servants. He loves um, the church and he is in the midst of them. And so I think that's essential for people to understand from chapter one is that he is on the battlefield with us, you guys. He is in the details of our lives. So that's kind of our central theme in my opinion. Um, and then in verses 14 through 16, we're gonna continue on with our list learning about Jesus Christ. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. So go back up to chapter 20, and you, or verse 20, and those seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And then if you go to the footnote, angels is servants, the servants of the seven churches. So he had in his right hand the seven stars, which is the seven servants. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So he's just holding up, upholding us, you know? He's like right here, you guys. We're gonna jump into two, two and three. This is to the churches. We're gonna follow a pattern as we go through this. The first thing he does with each church is he names the church he's speaking to. Then he describes Jesus Christ. We're not gonna get into the descriptions because they're almost identical to the ones we talked about in chapter one. Um, and then he's gonna praise each church a little bit, and then he's gonna give correction and counsel and or counsel. <laughs> and then he's gonna give promises to those who overcome and those who endure. Okay, the reason why I love verse, chapters two and three, this idea that Jesus knows us. He knows us so personally. Each church, he's able to praise them personally. And I think that he could do the same for us. He would call us by name. He would give us praise. And then he counsels them, which means that he knows and understands the trials and the tribulations and the things they're going through. I mean, like, he's able to pinpoint what they're struggling with and give them counsel. So we're not going to go over those today. You guys will have to go through those yourselves. But it's pretty awesome because he could do the same for you and I, you and, I in our lives. He knows exactly what we're going through. And then um, the part that we're really going to focus on today, you guys, is the blessings because it's so awesome. The blessings that come to over those that overcome. Now, just remember as we go through these, these saints are receiving intense persecution. So by him saying, these are the blessings that you will receive if you overcome, 
it was a big deal for them. So when I studied this, the way that I did it is I just marked, <clears throat> sorry, one, two, three, four, five. So every time I named a new church, I put a one because that's the one. And then I would put a two and mark in red all it said about Jesus Christ. And then a three next to the praise, a four next to the corrects and the council, and a five next to the promises. And all the promises I highlighted in blue because I just loved them. And then it would mention the next church and I would start back with one, go to five. Like I just all through chapters two and three. It's a great way to study it. So let's start with the very first um, blessing. It's in verses seven. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So on our list up there, we're going to put eat of the tree of life. We're just going to move through these quickly, just due to time. Go to um, verse 11. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The second death is spiritual death. So put up there, not be hurt of the second death. <clears throat> okay, next was in, is in 17 of that same chapter, chapter 2. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. So, up there on the board, we're going to put the hidden manna, um, get to eat of the hidden manna, and then we all get a new stone. If you go down to the footnote, it's a Urim and Thummim, which is pretty awesome. If you go to Doctrine and Covenants 130, 10 through 11, you learn a little bit more about that. So that's pretty cool to think that that's a blessing to those that overcome. And then we're going to head over into 26, chapter two, or verse 26 of chapter 2. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he's going to go on in the next two verses talking about that. We're going to put that on the, on the board, power over the nations. Now we're going to jump over into chapter 3, verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Anytime we talk about the white raiment or the white robe, which he mentioned several times in here, just think of that purification because of the blood of Jesus Christ. They're purified because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then jump over to 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So here on the board we're going to make a pillar in the temple, and write upon him the name of his God. And then the last one is in verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and set and am set down with my father in his throne. So I'm going to put on the board, sit with Jesus, which I just think is such a powerful, powerful way to end it. Isn't that what we all want? Now, I can't leave chapter three without hitting upon verse 20. It's one of the most famous um, verses of probably, <laughs> well, at least all chapter three, but it, it's pretty popular. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It might be the most popular one of all of Revolution, actually. Um, if you guys go to spiritualcrusade.com, go check out Craig's Ponderized Post on this verse. Now, the Ponderized Posts are meant to be ponderized and memorized, a little bit of both. <laughs> and we get them every week. Craig sends it out every week. And it's really fun to put on your screen, on your phone. And my kids love to see the new Ponderized Scripture. They get so excited to see the new Scripture and the new Ponderized Scripture. So it's really a fun habit to do with your family every week to get Craig's Ponderized Scriptures. But... 
don't just stop there. Read his post because it's so good about that verse. It's so good, you guys. So go over to, oh, go to that. Okay. Um, but you guys, we have a pretty good list here of blessings. And the reason why I really wanted to focus on this is because no matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter what our trials are, no matter what our temptations are, like we said, Jesus Christ knows them personally. He knows your name. He knows your efforts. He knows the, the desires of your heart. At the end of the day, these blessings are my favorite because these are the blessings that are promised to the faithful, to those that endure and overcome, whether it's temptations or whether it's persecution, real persecution. I don't know what the future looks like, but no matter what comes, these promises are to us all. Let's jump into four and five. Okay, you guys. <laughs> Just bear with me as I geek out over these chapters. Just bear with me. Okay, I want you guys to take the next two chapters. I just want you to get a vision of the whole picture. I just want you to imagine if you were John and you were seeing it. Put yourself into the scene. And I don't want us to get caught up on the things that we don't understand. There's gonna be some symbolism and some representations in like the beast that we talk about and stuff. I don't know all the answers and even if I did, we're not going to focus on that, which I don't, but I want us to just get a, a full picture of the scene because it's really beautiful what he sees and how he's able to transfer that to us and show us what he sees because he literally gets a glimpse into heaven. He's going to start out by seeing his father in heaven and that we're going to read that in verses two and three. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow about, a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. Okay, so this starts out teaching us about our Heavenly Father. So he's on the throne. I just want you guys to picture and imagine this, okay? Now in four, we're going to learn about the 24 elders that were there. And they represent the leaders of the seven churches that we learned about. And then in six, we're gonna learn about the, the sea of glass. That is the earth in its sanctified, immortal, and eternal state. Don't get caught up on it. Just We're just picturing this big scene, okay? And caught up by, I mean, sometimes it gets confusing, but we're gonna push past the confusion and just go to this, this scene, okay? Now, seven through like nine, he's gonna talk about these beasts. And in the, it's there are some representations and some symbolism, but what I want us to just imagine today is as if we were John and we were seeing these beasts. And I kind of, just for the sake of this video, <laughs> just to humor me, kind of think of it as like the like an animal for like, from like Narnia, okay? <laughs> Something that's, that we've never seen before. Don't try and put it into the vision of some an animal from this earth that we've seen before, right? Just imagine the scene, like a scene from Narnia, just for the sake of the video, where you just have these incredible beasts. And we're just gonna pretend, <laughs> for the sake of my vision that I'm trying to create here, that these are kind of like the leaders of the beasts. Joseph Smith said it this way in History of the Church. He said, the four beasts were four of the most noble animals that had filled the measure of their creation. So we're just gonna pretend like they're kind of like the leaders of the animals. So anyone who ever says animals are not gonna be in heaven has not read um, these chapters because <laughs> there are lots of animals in these chapters. So you've got the leaders, the, um, the 24 elders that are representing the churches and you've got these beasts that are gonna represent the animals. So this scene is kind of like a Narnia scene when you've just got man and beasts mixed together in this beautiful 
seen. There are so many of them, you guys, okay? Now, here's where the emotion comes into play. I'm gonna read verses um, one. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Two, verse two, and I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? So imagine just reaching out to all these man and animals, who is worthy to open this book, okay? Um, before I get into this a little more, this would be a fun activity to do with kids. I think one of the, um, come follow me mentions this, I think it might be the Sunday school one, I can't remember, but it talks about like having like a locked box with a treat inside and just asking your kids or your class, like, can anyone open this? And then just have them, the, and they're gonna try, you know, children especially, they're all gonna try and like pick it or break it, like they're gonna try and figure it out. And there's gonna be that emotion that like, we can't get it open, okay? And that's what I want you guys to feel here is this emotion, okay? That none of them can open it. And then three, it says, and no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Now, before you begin to feel John's emotions, here he's seen the scene, but he is wrapped up in the emotion. I'm sure the entire scene of man and animal was involved in this emotion, okay? And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. So he's just weeping. Now back to your children, I'm sure they're gonna feel a very similar feeling. <laughs> they're just like, we're trying to open it, we can't get it open, we can't get to the treat, right? And at that point you would have like, um, someone will have had a, a key and they will step forward and open. And just to feel that rejoicing, okay? And feel that excitement from your children or your class or whoever it is that it's been able to be open, you're able to partake of the the tree inside, okay? So I want you guys to transfer that feeling into what's gonna happen next. And one of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. You guys, I love that we're going to stop there. There's a little bit more in that verse, but I love how he takes the lion and the lamb. One right after the nev when it says the lion of the tribe of Judah in verses five and verse six, the lamb as it had been slain. This conveys that Christ possesses both majesty and meekness. It's so beautiful that they put these side by side. So here you have this scene, this like Narnia scene of man and beast and they're weeping and they're so sad because nobody can open the book. Nobody's worthy to open the book. And he, John himself is weeping. And then this man steps forward, the lamb of God. You guys, I don't know about you, but I just felt the emotions when I was reading it. I felt like I was in a storybook or watching a movie. It's so incredible. Okay. Um, and he, so in verse seven, it says, and he took, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now we're going to see praising. Let's talk about who's going to praise him because that's one of the, that's the next central message. The two central messages of um, four and five is one, Jesus Christ is the only one able to do this work. Okay. He's the only one able to fulfill the work of God in this area. Nobody else was found worthy. He was the only one. Now to the saints who are being persecuted and who are trying to hold on to this faith in Jesus Christ, this was huge. They're understanding more about their savior. They're understanding the big scene, okay? But this next central message is that everybody, 
all mankind and animal kind will praise Jesus Christ. They will praise and honor him, okay? We're going to see in verses 8, the 24, um, the four beasts and the 24 elders are going to praise him. And then in verse 11, we just have to read 11 because it's amazing. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about, um, round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Once again, this is a huge mass group and they're all praising Jesus Christ. They are all so glad that there is one worthy, right? Just as your children would be so excited if daddy stepped forward and was able to unlock that, that treasure box, there is just this excitement, right? And then in verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea. Okay, we're just going to stop there. There's more in that verse, but let's just, once again, this is massive. We've got the birds and the sea animals and the creatures. They're all there and they're all praising God, right? Or Jesus Christ at this point. So I don't know if anyone else got as excited about these verses as me, but I love these verses. And if you don't get anything out of my video today, I hope you got at least this beautiful vision of the scene that John was able to see and that Jesus Christ is truly the only one that can do this work. He was able, the only one able to open this book and these seals. Now, what's in the book? Let's talk about these seals, okay? We got six and seven is gonna talk about the first six seals. We're gonna run through these quickly. <laughs> Well, um, and we are going to take a lot of our notes from the Institute Manual because I can. <laughs> so, so if you want more, just jump on over to the Institute Manual. There's so much information over there. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay, we're gonna um, the first the first seal we're gonna, we're gonna learn about in verse two, and he sees the white horse, which represents victory. He sees a bow, which represents warfare, and he sees a crown, which re represents conquering. So. Um, according to the Institute Manual, this would be during Enoch's time. And Enoch was a great general and he did conquer. He went um, forth among the saints conquering. So he might have seen that scene for the first seal. The second seal, um, we see a red horse in verse 4, which represents bloodshed. And we see a sword, which represents war and destruction. Um, this is in time period that includes the flood. This is the great flood. So this was definitely a time of wickedness. Um, so bloodshed was definitely the right color. And it, there was so much wickedness that every living soul deserved to die. Um, or like deserved to, I mean, everybody drowned except for like eight souls. So that was a, probably a hard scene for him to watch. Um, the third seal is a black horse, which represents famine. And it's gonna go on to talk about that famine even in, into verse six, talking about that. And so this was just, a um, famine was characteristic of this time period. Um, verses seven, he sees a pale horse, which represents death. And it even says right there in his name that sat on him was death and hell. So if you think about this, this thousand years, this time period, it was a lot of warring empires, lots of empires warring against each other. We've got like Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and they were reject rejecting the prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos. So a lot of war, um, there. Okay, the fifth seal comes after the birth of Jesus Christ, and here he sees an altar, which is sacrificed, and he sees souls, 
which represents the martyred saint, um, saints, those that were killed because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And he is going to go on to talk about that in a beautiful way in 10 and 11 and how they received white robes, once again being purified in the blood of Christ. So read those verses. It's really beautiful um, talking about the martyrs that he saw in that time period. And then we're going to see in verse 12, we've got the sixth seal. So in the sixth seal, which we're supposedly in right now, there are seven characteristic signs for the sixth seal. So we're going to list the seven signs that he characterizes going along with the sixth seal. So we've got the great earthquake, the sun, and I'm just using the words that he, use here, he uses here. The sun became black, the moon became as blood, stars of heaven fell, heaven departed as a scroll, mountains and islands were moved out of their places, and then in verse 15, it talks about how men were hiding themselves because they were afraid. And it talks about all types of men, kings, bondmen, freemen, everybody. Um, so those are the seven characteristics of the sixth seal. And the sixth seal will continue until just before Christ reigns in his glory. So those will continue just before Christ reigns. And we're going to see in the seventh seal, the things that are going to happen right before Christ comes. So... Um, chapter 7 is going to go on talking about the 6th seal, and then chapter 8, 9, and 11 is going to be the 7th seal. We're going to move quickly through these also. And then, um, yeah, so we're going to, so at this point, we have angels that are going to sound trumps, okay? And with each angel that sounds a trump, a new thing happens. The first four are going to be mostly um, affecting, like, nature, Okay. Obviously, it's going to affect men because men die when nature is affected, but they're more directed towards the, you know, the elements. And then the last three, um, Revelation's called the woes, and that's where the men, where mankind is really attacked. We're going to talk about the woes last. So the first four angels that trumped, the first one, a third part of the trees of all green grass is burned up. The next one, a third part of the sea becomes blood, and with the same one, a third part of the living creatures of the sea die, and a third part of the ships are destroyed. With the net, with the third angel that sounds the trump, a third part of the rivers and waters are made bitter, and many men die. And with the fourth angel, a third part of the sun, moon, and stars are smitten and darkened. So those are the first four that are more about the elements. Now let's talk about the woes. Um, the first woe. <laughs> We're going to start in chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. That star is referring to Lucifer. Lucifer is going to open this pit. And in my mind, the way I envision it, is just he opens all hell upon the earth. All elements of hell. All like the wickedness is so great that it says in here that the sun and air are darkened. And I want you guys to think about that kind of like when Lehi saw the mist of darkness and that mist of darkness, it just, it was because of the wickedness, but it envelops everything. It makes the air dark. It makes the sun dark. Do you know what I mean? And so the wickedness is so great upon the earth at this point that um, even this, the air is, and um, the sun and air are darkened. So he's going to refer to this as like locusts. So the way he sees it is this pit is opened up, smoke comes out, which we, we are going to see is like the, the wickedness, the like the mist of darkness kind of thing. And he's going to see kind of like locusts escape. But he's going to describe them in 7 through 10, and they don't actually look like locusts. To me, I feel like this is just 
like I said, all hell is loosed, is, is loosed upon the earth. And whatever that looks like, the wickedness is so great, okay? Now, this, whatever this is that's released, whatever these, this darkness is that's released, um, it, in verse four, it's commanded to not hurt the grass or the earth or the green things, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So, whatever it is that is released is not allowed to hurt those that have the seal of God on their forehead. So I want you guys to think about when the um, when they put the lamb's blood above their door, the destroying angel would pass by them. That same imagery should come to your mind when you've got the seal of Christ's name on your forehead, the seal of God on your head. That this destroying element or whatever this is that's been released from the, the pit um, cannot affect those that have the seal of God on their forehead. So that to me says that we need to work for that. So we need to really step up our game and make sure that we have that sealing on our forehead, that we have the name of, of God seal on our foreheads. Okay, and whether this is in our lifetime or not, I don't know, but that's just besides the point. We need to raise our children the same way, to have absolute righteousness, to be like the 2000 Stripling Warriors, right? That's all of our goals. Okay, so, so that is the first woe, and it says in 12, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. So let's talk about the sixth um, angel. When he sounds his trump, we've got the great and final battle, which is known as Armageddon. It doesn't use those words in here, but that's what we know it is. Um, and a third part of men are killed. So that's a big battle. Um, and then we're gonna go into, we're gonna skip 10 because I'll come back and just talk about 10 in a second. Jump into um, 11 for the last woe. So in verse 14, it says, the second woe is past and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. So the seventh angel sounded and in verse 18, we learn that those who destroy the earth shall be destroyed. Okay, in chapter 11, we also learn about the two prophets that will lie in the street um and for three and a half days and then be resurrected so that's an awesome story that you that you also need to read and then chapter 10 is kind of this idea where john accepts his role this is where he eats a book and when you think about it you're like well that's weird and you might not understand it but just think about it in the big picture as him accepting his role in the work okay him taking and eating it is him accepting it he, he is now like i will i'm a part of this work i will do my part um, whatever he's commissioned to do. So you guys, that is one through 11. There is a lot here and we skimmed it really, really quickly. So I hope you guys all learned something and enjoyed the journey as much as I did. I hope you will go and read it and study it and love it as much as I love it because it's so incredible. So, and then come back next week so we can finish Revelations. So hope to see you guys then. Bye.